Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Craft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today's co-host, as usual, is Kurt Hohan. <laughs> Just say Kurt. Everybody. Kurt, whatever. Doesn't even make sense what we do now. <laughs> today's oh, podcast... Oh, we're recording now? <laughs> yeah, it's recording. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> uh, what I don't understand is... Uh, oh, number one, this is today's podcast is on Tribe Part 2, where we talk... This is probably the final episode... But not Finish. the last time we talk about tribe, the tribe, the Fieldcraft tribe. Yeah, never. That, this is only the beginning of the Fieldcraft tribe. But this might be the end of talking about Sebastian Younger's book, The Tribe. If you haven't listened to part one, listen to part one because it's an impactful book that has significant meaning for us that are transitioning into civilian life, but also for you know anybody who's trying to understand kind of why we're getting away from the society that we used to know. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the society we used to know. I know that most people think based off of um, past information that I have a hard time reading. But uh, I was actually able to make it through the book Tribe, which was pretty cool. So I should have, I guess, something uh, productive to say in this episode. <laughs> Do you even remember, though? Cause, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I bumped my head a couple times on active duty, so... <laughs> You read it on a flight overseas, right? Yeah, so I, I read it, uh, well, part of it on the flight and then, uh, and then finished it up when we were overseas. So Today we were in the gym and, oh, last night I guess we posted on social media. Yeah. And your, your post was a little bit more aggressive than mine, which I appreciated. I actually thought it was a repost because <laughs> I'm like, this isn't Kurt Kurt's Sanders. not creative like this. He doesn't come out of the He used big words. You capitalize letters, which means you're yelling. Yeah, well... Yeah. So a little bit of an explanation, which I don't need to offer one about the post, but here's what I will say. There's a lot of controversy going on with uh, obviously the NFL right now with players kneeling uh, or not coming out of the locker room during uh, the national anthem. Right. So obviously I posted uh, something in reference to that on Instagram and I still stick by the post. And um, I think these guys are some of the biggest hypocrites on the planet. Um, now, that's not saying all NFL players, right? Because there are guys that are out in their communities that are doing good things and trying to make uh, a better life for, for uh, underprivileged kids and all kinds of people, right? But uh, the bottom line is that, you know, if you're just doing it to showboat, to gain attention, it's bullshit. And, um, you know, if, if there are these great social divides and uh, inequalities going on, then obviously we need to get you know, hustling about trying to fix that kind of stuff. And, and so I looked at a lot of those, a lot of these examples where guys kneel and do all these things. And I look at that and I say to myself, these are guys that make millions of dollars. They live in, you know, beautiful homes and drive luxury vehicles and live basically a life that, you know, most people don't ever get to experience, but they have the audacity, uh, you know, basically to protest the national anthem and the flag and, basically the ideas and principles that made their lives possible. So, and I think also that when they talk about um, social inequality and I, and I had a guy comment and talked about black slavery and some other stuff. And, you know, the idea that somehow there's the same level of social inequality now that there was then um, is a lie. You know, it's not true. Um, are there still things we need to work through? Absolutely. The expectation that America is perfect, I think, is an unrealistic one, but we're always striving uh, to be better, right? So um, I think that this type of continually reintroducing or introducing 
this level of social inequality that I believe, you know, doesn't exist, you're creating a, a, a somewhat of a victimization mentality uh, that in turn ends up uh, making people think that they're entitled to something. And so it, in a weird way, it kind of uh, takes away, you know, the ability for people to be passionate about doing things. And um, it makes them feel victimized. And I think that there's plenty of great examples of guys that and gals that grew up in poverty who uh, were able to turn their lives into successful stories. And I think those are the people we need to be looking at as the great example uh, to emulate. I just don't understand what the, the national anthem or the flag or our country specifically has to do with pockets of human beings, whether it was in a political forum or state of mind or the white man or whatever, however you want to define it, what our country has to do with it. Because, you know, right. these are Americans playing in the National Football League. Right. And they're playing, representing an American pastime. Yeah. And yet they're using the fact that they're on TV and media yeah. as a platform to, you know, display their distaste for social inequality, especially when it comes to uh, African-American inequality. Right. And just like you said, uh, my whole beef with that entire thing is, I don't know where this is coming from because if you ask any of them, and I've seen their interviews, because I'm, I'm interested in the individuals and what they're saying and what they have to say about specifically why they're doing it. And they don't have a lot of great examples of right. what they're talking about in social inequality. I mean, because I, I think, I mean, I'd venture to say if you looked at facts, which, you know, are probably quantifiable in statistics, you would see that today there's other minority groups uh, outside of African-Americans who are actually more disadvantaged, uh, disadvantaged than African-Americans. I mean, our last president of the United States was African-American. Yeah, I know. And so now all of a sudden it, se it seems, and this is perception, this is a probably a skewed perception, that... It seems now all of a sudden everything's an issue. And, you know, th the biggest argument that was made on social media from that, that I actually debate inside myself, because I posted the same thing, was that, you know, as soldiers were defending constitutional rights and a, the First Amendment right, obviously, is freedom of speech. But my whole argument is that the NFL is a private institution. It's a business. Absolutely. And so... One side of the argument is if it's a business, then if people pay for seats, entertainment, for entertainment, because these entertainment. are entertainers, yeah. they shouldn't be exposed to specific things like freedoms of speech or freedoms of religion. That would be, and I made the example that that would be like the ref walking around handing out Mormon pamphlets yeah. and trying to recruit. Well, the fact of the matter is that's not the time and place. Right. He would probably be told, hey, don't do that right now. Yeah. Uh, we're in the middle of a football game. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is taken away from what you're there to do, which is play a game. Play a game for millions of dollars. Right. And so, and then the other argument with that, with which people were making, was that if that was the case, then they wouldn't be doing the national anthem. Well, that's it, that, to me, that's insanity. Right. Because the national anthem, it's our country. Right. We're not talking about a specific religion. Right. We're talking about literally the umbrella that protects us from all these, for all the freedoms. Right. Freedom of religion, freedom of speech, all these things that people exercise and they, 
yeah, the thing that's so frustrating, I think for us is, and I said this in my post is like, when you live outside of the United States and you experience other cultures and you watch what real poverty looks like and disadvantage and people that are less fortunate and you come back to this country and hear people bitching really puts things in perspective. And so we're really passionate about it because we feel like these guys and we feel like folks in general that are complaining about certain things have a skewed perspective. And, you know, it's the thing about this too, is that it's been this way for a long time, right? Veterans, combat veterans who, you know, have been there and done that will always have a perspective that not everyone is going to be able to appreciate or understand, right? Because not everybody chooses to serve. And that's just something, you know, from a, from my standpoint, I actually feel bad for some of these guys because I feel like there's it's such a an uneducated way or such a naive way to look at things. And I feel like in a lot of ways, politics and the press and social media and all these different things, people are trying to divide people and put them into groups and do all these things. And I feel like it makes us weak as a society and as a nation when, when we do things like that. Are we going to have differences? Absolutely. And, and we should be mature enough to be able to work through these things without having to disrespect our country and, and do things that, uh, I guess, for the shock and awe value, uh, you know, get you on the news. Somebody was bashing me and said, you know, which I take with a grain of salt. It doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. I, I like the debate. But they bashed me and said, how can you, you know, to basically talk crap about NFL players, but you get the president of the United States who dodged the draft, who did all these things. I think he, I actually saw. Yeah, and then I never did any research on, you know, I'd like to look at it and then well, see it and here, make an honest Here's assessment. a news flash too. I, I don't know if Mike and I ever said that we were pro-Trump or anti-Trump, but this is a conversation that has nothing to do with the president of the United States. Because if the president of the United States didn't stand up for the anthem uh, or, you know, or respect the, the flag of the United States of America, obviously we'd make that an issue too. You know what I mean? Well, so, the, my answer was Donald Trump is the president of the United States and the, these guys are, are players in a game. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. The difference is these are entertainers. Right. And they're paid to do a job, which is to entertain. Right. They're, they're, they're independent employees for an independent company. The bottom line is, to me, if you want to come out, just like Kurt said, and you want to make a difference, take the millions of dollars, sell the Bentley you got, you yeah. know, sell the mansion that you live in. Because yeah. all these dudes have Bentleys and mansions. I've literally looked up two of the players. These guys live extravagant lifestyles. Absolutely. And, and they're talking about social inequality. Well, do something and help. Yeah. Uh, but you think that advocating and protesting and raising your fist is, is a method? Maybe, maybe it is, but it's the wrong platform and the wrong time and place. Yeah. And, and the only thing you're doing to me is making me never wanting to watch the NFL again or any, any pro sport that advocates that it's okay to disrespect our country. Right. And, and, I don't, I, I just don't, nobody could sway my opinion on that. I mean, yeah. you're an American first. Right. Right. And then, you know, if you want to make, if you want to make a stink about something, use your other platforms, but, but disrespecting our national anthem and our, and our, our way of life as Americans is not the way to do it. And I don't put fault particularly on just the players. I, I think they're uh, just like you said, they're miseducated and, and misinformed and they're naive. I think the onus falls on the owners, the owners of these organizations that have the ability. I mean, what is it? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They told them 
as a team, we're not going to go out during the playing of the national anthem. To me, that's even worse. Right. You don't want to cause issues, so now you're doing that. And then I forget the names, the dude's name, but he used to be in Ranger Regiment. He's a West that's Point grad. Alejandro uh, Villanueva, I think is yeah, how it's he pronounced. came out like a boss. And yeah. he's like, I'm not going to disrespect our country like that. And you know why? Because he has the life experience right. and the maturity and the understanding of what that the country means. stands for yeah, and what, what it, means. it means. I'll tell you what. Uh, if I was an owner, I'd fire all those dudes. And I'd be like, you know what? You don't want to respect our flag? You're fired. If you don't think I can replace you in a heartbeat and find some motivated American first patriot who's going to step up to the plate and uh, stand up for, the, for what we believe in, I mean, dude, you're an entertainer at the end yeah. of the day. Obviously, this is a, it's been a hot topic, right? It's been all over social media. Uh, lots of people with different opinions. Mike and I are uh, pretty open-minded guys based off of our life experience and all the places we've been in the world. And, uh, you know, and we just came from an overseas trip and we're in a, you know, we were in a place that, you know, we see what poverty looks like, you know, and, and when you come home to the United States and people are talking about social inequality and all these different things. And again, are there issues? Yeah, there are. Not denying that. We're not stupid. To put it on a level that, that people are describing it, I just think they're, they're uninformed and they could be putting their time, energy, money in better places to make a difference. Yeah, this is a perfect kickoff for the episode, Tribe, and a perfect lead-in for why we're talking about what we're talking about. Because at the end of the day, America, when unified, is a tribe. Oh, absolutely. All right. It could be the greatest tribe on the planet. Absolutely, it could be. All right, so moving into this episode, hope you guys enjoy part two of the tribe. All right, so the last time we were talking, we were talking about the tribe and identifying some pretty important issues that were going on, taking examples from the tribe and, and how Sebastian Younger was describing it. Where we left off, we were basically taking quotes and then talking about it. If anybody hasn't read the book, The Tribe, I think it's a good example of, you know, outlining intelligently why our society is suffering some of the biggest mental health crisis in in the world today. I mean, in modern society, yeah. we haven't experienced this, uh, I don't think ever. It's unprecedented. Yeah. And some of those reasons are because our disconnection with the things that are relevant in a tribe society, you know, and we, yeah. have, to, we have to pay attention. Well, the interesting thing about the book as well is that, you know, Sebastian Younger is, he's talking about, uh, you know, veterans basically in the transition process and PTSD, how every, you know, how guys are, guys and gals are affected that way. And then what it's like coming home and trying to transition into society. And so the interesting thing in reading that book is that, you know, he goes into the rest of society. So it's not just veterans coming back, but he, but he uses great examples of you know past warrior societies or cultures um, and then comparing and contrasting those with modern society and you know a lot of what he gets to is is with the ease of technology and the ease uh, that it brings to your life uh, that in a lot of ways it's taken away hardships that you know past societies and humans have had to endure which have actually been uh, you know impactful in a positive way and now, uh, because of, you know, as we advance as a society with technology and all these other things, we don't benefit from those things. And, and that's translated into um, a lot of mental health issues and a lot of 
uh, relationship issues, and I mean, oh, sorry, <laughs> um, and and just a lot of different things that haven't been positive. Leading into that, you know, I got a perfect quote from him that talks about exactly what you just described, which I think is one of the most significant things about this. He says, "What would you risk dying for, and for whom?" is perhaps the most profound question a person can ask themselves. The vast majority of people in modern society are able to pass their whole lives without ever having to answer that question, which is both an enormous blessing and a significant loss. Well, I think one of the interesting things about that is, uh, you know, in looking at my past and the people that I know who haven't experienced loss, as Sebastian Younger describes as losing something or even risking dying for, it, it's a, it's a crazy thing to, to experience that in war and then know what it's like to sacrifice your life or put your life on the line and then have friends uh, who sacrifice their life and lose their life and then deal and manage with that loss. It's like uh, the post I did the other day about personal growth. You know, we talked to one of our CEO buddies that he's a, that he's a client of ours where he's, he's changed his life and he lost 60 pounds in the last... 90 days. Uh, 90 days or yeah. something like that. And it, it was kind of eye-opening because what he did was he did he started doing everything that made him uncomfortable. So if he had if it was uncomfortable, his lifestyle now is he tackles that. Mm-hmm. And so he gets the most personal growth. And he's a civilian. Yeah. You know, we I think you made the the point a while back that based on our life experience, we have seen so much loss. And, and had a part in so many significant experiences overseas that it's completely created a different mindset, completely. And so to mimic that, you have to experience things that you're fearful of. You know, you don't have to necessarily go out and try to attain this by risking your life, but by challenging yourself is how you're going to personally grow and mature to get a better perspective. You know, it kills me because some of the best potential that I've seen in people have been lost in their own complacency. Right. They're used to their safe routine and then fear completely capitalizes on their lives and keeps them in this cage. And whether it's, you know, you talked about relationships and, you know, whether it's love, whether it's career, whether it's just your everyday life, at least having a good enough situation awareness in yourself to understand that concept yeah. is a way to grow uh, as an individual. Right. Well, again, you know, thinking about the quote that you read, um, I would even say that, you know, with you saying that, hey, it, you may, it may not have to be something that pushes you to the edge, right, that could be uh, potentially take your life to create these type of experiences. But the interesting thing that Sebastian Younger talks about is, is just that, is that, you know, a lot of these uh, personal experiences where he grew, um, you know, covering combat, um, you know, overseas or wherever he was at, they were literally, you know, life and death experiences. And I, I really do believe that in this weird way, uh, based off of what we are exposed to, that it does do that. You know, it's just hard to describe the appreciation you have for the country and for all the things that, the, that our great country stands for without experiencing those things so yeah we're in a bubble right we're like in this this safe zone yeah and you realize uh again you know we we still have opportunities to travel overseas and work and do different things based off of what we do for a living and it's just a constant reminder that you know we live in a great place uh 
And, you know, based off of experience, we don't take that for granted. So again, going back to the quote is like, you know, these experiences that have been so um, vivid and real and bring us to the brink, you know, the edge have been these life changing moments that make us, you know, extremely passionate about things we believe in. Yeah. We were just talking about the NFL, but an interesting quote following the last one, Sebastian Younger says, because modern society has almost completely eliminated trauma and violence from everyday life, anyone who does suffer those things is deemed to be extraordinarily unfortunate. This gives people access to sympathy and resources, but also creates an identity of victimhood that can delay recovery. Right. You know, in describing what we talked about with the NFL just a short period of time, and it's, just, it's similar, right? We, we, don't, we, we don't even understand what a correct perception of uh, segregation and loss and oppression. Human suffering. Human suffering. We don't even know the gauge. Right. And so everything for us is a significant issue that you could see nowadays that we're taking uh, specific events that aren't even based in fact and looking yeah. for reasons to cause an uprising or uh, issues and conflict for no fucking reason. Yeah, it's interesting. Like just thinking about that quote kind of, you know, makes me think about the contrast between, you know, let's say the average American who, you know, has a has a decent job and has a cell phone and all this stuff. And and they go, hey, I don't have cell phone coverage for a month. You know, that would be like a catastrophic event <laughs> where you know, some of the places we've been in the world, you know, people are scrounging for chow or food every single day and they don't know how they're going to make it, you know. So, again, different perceptions, you know, based off of your life experiences. And, you know, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, sometimes I almost feel sorry for people because they haven't experienced these life altering, changing moments. And it doesn't it didn't have to be just in combat. You know, there's lots of people that do things. Uh, whether it's extreme sports or whatever, but they experience something and it changes their life forever. And we've got buddies and we talk to people and, you know, guys are constantly searching. And this is a big problem that Sebastian Younger identifies in the book for men. And it's actually proving yourself as a man and, and, um, and doing something to where you feel appreciated. You feel like you're contributing to the tribe, right? Which is modern society now. And, there's all kinds of crazy crisis going on with um, guys joining gangs. And well, we t Mike and I talked about this and I kind of equated that to, you know, young men trying to prove themselves worthy of the tribe. Well, the tribe in the United States is all fucked up because we don't have any sense of who we are anymore. The it's, sense of nationalism. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, you know, we're going in 50 different directions based off of special interest groups. And it's like, you know what? Fuck special interest groups. We're American first, and then all these other things. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, my family was comprised of Irish and German immigrants. And not once did I ever hear my family put their ethnicity before being an American because they appreciated being in this country. Yeah, man, I think that's a really good point because we have like ADHD, man. We've lost our sense of purpose. I mean, if you think about other countries, if you think about the culture they represent, they have deeply rooted culture. They have... They stand proud on that, proud of that. What's bizarre to me, I even heard heard somebody say it. I don't know if I read it or I heard it, but somebody was saying that, you know, we're basically oppressed as a nation because we're being socially divided by the white face or the white man. I don't even know what that means. We're all immigrants. I mean, I'm half white and I'm half Korean. My dad was in the army. 
But that doesn't mean my dad was a part of the problem that included slavery. Right. I've been in Africa where there's still slaves. Like, I mean, there's slaves, uh, African people enslaving African people in Africa. Yeah. If you don't believe that, fucking Google it because you'll believe Google over me. <laughs> but, but Google it. But I've seen it. I've literally seen it. I've seen Africans enslaving Bangladeshians. I don't know if that's right. Bangladeshians. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Is what people, call them. people from Bangladesh. People from Bangladesh. Yeah. And, and I was like, you guys just keep these people and they work? Yeah, they work. They work because they get uh, shelter and food. Right. And so, you know, if you look at history, you would know that Africans sold their own people to Europeans. Right. Who brought them to America. I don't know if you know this, but America fought for the freedom of fucking enslaved slaves at the cost of hundreds of thousands of lives. It's called the Civil War, 1861-1864. So if you want to justify and talk shit about America, America is why we don't have slavery because we stood on different values. Right. But nobody wants to be patriotic. Nobody wants to stand up for fucking the rights of Americans. Americans aren't the problem. People are the problem throughout history, which is part of history, period. Yeah. Uh, that shit, I don't know. I, I, maybe I got passionate there. <laughs> no, you did. Well, and we are passionate about it, and we should be. Is um, this you being diplomatic? Because I feel like you're going no, in going, no, no, no. please listen to us. <laughs> Even Mike's insane. We're losing followers right now. <laughs> um, no, but uh, no, a, a great, uh, so here's another quote from Tribe. And, um, you know, Mike taught me how to read in our trip overseas. So I'm Clifford pretty, taught I'm, you how to yeah, read. I'm, we're pumped about that. But uh, Sebastian Younger says, in effect, humans have dragged a body with a long hominid history into an overfed, malnourished, sedentary, sunlight deficient, sleep deprived, competitive, inequitable, and socially isolating environment with dire consequences. Well, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there have been dire consequences. And, and it seems like as uh, modern society fights over the dumbest shit on the planet, you know, in the United States. And, uh, you know, I said it in my, my Instagram post and I said, you know, I, and I kind of feel like this is a combat veteran. It's like we're tearing ourselves apart from the inside and, it, and nothing was worth the sacrifice, you know, because it's almost like people aren't even worthy of the sacrifice because they're so fucked up, you know? Yeah. We're passionate about it because we see different uh, genres of our life in civilian society now. The mishaps that civilians are having that we've experienced that we wish we could pass on that perspective right. or that understanding of what the priorities in life are. And, uh, you know, he, Sebastian, I like reading his quotes because this stuff makes a lot of sense. But he talks about society work. He says, if you want to make a society work, then you don't keep underscoring the places where you're different. You underscore your shared humanity. That's one of the points it's that we great. made with the NFL. Yeah. Like if if you well, want NFL, you talk about politics. You talk about all these things. Yeah. And all these shitbirds are out there trying to friggin' pick us apart. And you're like, you read a quote like that, and you're like, holy fuck, dude! Like, what are we doing to ourselves? Exactly. Like these people that are supposed to be leaders and examples of of good people and uh, responsible citizens and all these things, right? Maybe politicians in the NFL, those are bad examples, but, but no, but, but honestly, these elected officials are leaders and they're supposed to step the fuck up and lead and they're, and what they, a lot of them have not been doing that, you know, on both sides of the aisle. So, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of politics in general because I think they're fucking around while the American people are suffering 
and there's a lot of good they could be getting done, and they're not doing it. So, um, who's the who's the Pittsburgh Steeler that stood out? The Alejandro Valanueva. That's a perfect example, right? So you have two sides of the of the aisle, right? Two sides of the issue, right? You have one man standing up for the country, and then you have divisive human beings who are trying to segregate or separate. And and you you look at the end result, like the end state is what you want better equality, right? Well, if that's what you want. And you and you follow this concept of shared humanity and standing up for the country, then you have more of an impact. Right. And it's a quicker route to the in-state instead of causing divisions, which lead to more issues. Which is an interesting, you know, a lead-in to just the statement that all men were created equal. Well, some some men actually believe that, like Mike and I, you know, not based off of your race, religion, and all these other things. You know, and it's my dad taught me this when I was younger, and basically he was good about teaching me that, you know, to treat other people the way that you wanted to be treated. So, you know, a lot of this goes back to our our interactions with people and how we deal with people. And, you know, it's frustrating to see us be picked apart by politicians, the media and and other divisive or, you know, divisive people um, that have. I don't know what the gain is, but ultimately they are breaking down society. Yeah, it's sad. It's it's truly sad. And as a society at the rawest level, like you know, we would call it the tactical level from strategic, at the tactical level, our everyday lives are grossly affected by everything that's happening in our society. Right. And so when you look at the family unit, I mean, if if we promote family units, then we're the bad guys. If we say it's okay to have a husband and a wife who are true to each other, who are faithful, who are good people, yeah. and then who want to raise good children, that somehow is skewed to be a bad, th- a bad thing. You're, you're intolerant. Yeah, you're intolerant. Right. But by promoting family values. I mean, it's interesting based off of our life experience now, you know, obviously being outside of the military and, um, you know, and then reading this book and, you know, we knew we had our finger on it because Mike and I would talk a lot about transitional issues with service members and um, and how we felt and how we were trying to kind of find our way um, and feel like, hey, we're productive members of society on, you know, what we would call the right side of our DD-214, right, which is that paperwork that you get when you leave the military, retire, whatever you end up doing. And, you know, so you look at all these different things and it and it's hard not to be frustrated uh, as a veteran um, to come home and see all the 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 uh, the discord going on with the American people. And so um, we do understand also that there's a lot of great people out there, um, like most of the folks that obviously listen to us and follow us on uh, social media and believe in what we believe in, you know, and I hate to. Um, believe me, when we talk about this kind of stuff, hey, we're not talking from a high horse, you know. I, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life, and I know Mike has too. As a matter of fact, we talk about I made one yesterday. <laughs> yeah. We talk about stuff a lot of times and and grow uh, personally based off of the mistakes that we make, right? So this this idea of perfection, like I hope you don't put that on Mike and I because, um, one, it's unrealistic, and, and I never, you know. Speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Um, joke. Yeah. But, you know, realistically, hey, we're never, you know, we're not perfect. Hey, the country isn't perfect. But, you know, uh, based off of our experiences, this place is pretty fucking rad compared to other shitholes on the planet that I've been in where, 
you know, people are not afforded the same opportunity as they are in this country. Didn't we just run in? We were driving back 17, 18 hours straight from uh, <laughs> yeah. Cali, which was, was awesome. Psychedelic experience. <laughs> but you went into a gas station and there was a Syrian refugee. There was. And, and you know, states take in Syrian refugees, so they did. And, I mean, think Anytime about Anytime I get the opportunity to, to uh, practice Arabic, because that's the language that I took, yeah. I, I take that opportunity. And so I knew right away when I started talking to her that she was of, uh, you know, an Arab descent. And Is it because she spoke Arabic? No, because, well, she, she said something to another customer and she answered her in Arabic, and I picked up on that because obviously I know the, the language. I can't read in English, but I can read in Arabic. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it's uh, you know treated her just like I treat everybody else, and we had an interesting conversation about. Um, it was a quick one, you know. It was like a five minute, you know. It's a shame what's going on there, and um, but again, it just reminds you of you know perspective. It reminds you that. People are dying by the thousands in Syria. Women, men, children, you know, they're being decimated by a civil war that's going on there. Irregardless of politics and what you think about that, but the human cost of that is massive in terms of lives, right? And it's like, you know, and then you think about what's going on here and you got people protesting about social inequality. Give me a fucking break, man. Like, give me a fucking break. Whoa, so you're really passionate about that. <laughs> you Give said me it, a fucking break, So you used Mike. it twice, so I did. that means you're passionate. Yeah, I don't know how many times I can say this. Like, the expectation that America is perfect is a fucking unrealistic one, so get that out of your nugget, and then maybe that'll help process things. Okay, Mike? No, I'm kidding. I got an idea. Like, how about you just play football? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do your job. Yeah. Or, or I'll just fire you. <laughs> um, All right, back to the tribe. Yeah, back more to the importantly, tribe. the tribe is more important than the NFL. So, one of the last quotes that I'll I'll ask and I'll uh, ask you the question. Why but, are you uh, asking me the question? Well, it's it's a uh, it's about veterans, and and uh, you seem to be angry right now, so I'm gonna feel that passion. <laughs> Today's veterans often come home to find that although they're willing to die for their country, they're not sure how to live for it. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I mean, you know. Certain with certain degrees of that, I, I do agree with that. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, I think we're figuring it out. I think we do well in what we're doing to, to change our, you know, the is pack. that why we're making a tribe? Yeah, that's what we're making a tribe. We're, we're creating our own special operations element. <laughs> yeah, retired soft vets come to Fieldcraft Survival. I think, um, yeah, or you know, one of the other companies that's out there that's maybe doing something similar. I don't know. That was too diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, uh, again, reading the book is super interesting about how do we enable our veterans when they come back from combat and dealing with traumatic things? Well, it's easy. You bring them back into society. You make them feel welcome. You give them a job so they feel like they have a sense of purpose. Um, and then you understand that when guys and gals come back from combat, direct combat, that they're forever changed. And that's okay. Because you, as the American people, with your elected officials, sent us off to do the nation's uh, dirty work on your behalf. And whether you like dirty work or whatever you want to call it, uh, combat isn't pretty. And, and you see things that change you forever. And that's just a cost of doing the job, right? And we all are accepting of that, I think, at least um, at the level that Mike and I served at, we accept what comes along with that. 
the interesting thing that Sebastian Younger talks about in this book is that because he, in the past men came from you know these warrior societies or tribes um, and the tribes understood what they were sending their young men and women right now off to do and then w- when they came back they were accepted back into society and and there was no time to fuck around because they had to hunt fish and provide and help be productive for the society. And so what they found in doing that um, throughout time is that these guys healed from post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of these issues went away with time. Yeah, you know what we ought to do is fire all the NFL players who are taking knees and give all the money to uh, combat veterans so they can have a better life for themselves and, and try. <laughs> uh, you know, I, what you, the, the biggest point in understanding the book and, and uh, talking about what you just said is when somebody gets out of the military and they're part of a tribe and they reintegrate into society, where are their tribes? Who do they connect with? Yeah. How do you connect with people who, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, this isn't a blanket statement of society, but, but people who are more concerned about their Instagram status than they are the relationships they live day to day. Right. Or people who are more involved with, you know, social media status than they do their family and their friends. And so where are their tribes? You know, I came back and, you know, my family, I got a significant family, but I mean, they're not uber close. We live in completely different places. Right. I see my mom a couple times a year. When I reintegrated into society, I didn't have anybody. Right. And so how, how do you go in back into society after coming back from the tribe? You know, whether you served in special operations or just whatever, yeah. you're part of something larger than seemingly yourself. And so you feel like you're part of something to be booted into society that is trying to figure itself out. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a crazy chick. Yeah, you know. No offense to crazy chicks. <laughs> it's funny, you know, that you talk about it that way because it's actually an interesting question to address. Is like, well, how how do you do that? What tribe do you go to? Where... Where do you go, right? Well, obviously, it depends on um, where you decide to go back to when you leave the military, right? Do you go back home? Do you accept a job somewhere in another state or whatever opportunities present themselves? It's a good question. How do you do that? You know, and so when I think about that, one of the things that I kind of uh, that I think back to, which is recent, which is something I read on a and I talked about it in uh, the first podcast that we did on the tribe. Uh, Havoc Journal, and he posts good content, former 75th Range Regiment guy. But the thing that really kind of struck me in one of the the posts that he did was talking about being close with civilians and not necessarily isolating yourself from those people because they didn't have the same life experience that you did. And so, um, and, and, and I'll be, you know, completely vulnerable and honest right now, that's extremely difficult for me to do as a person because I just don't feel close with anybody because they haven't experienced what I've experienced. Well, you, you've done it. I mean, remember going to like a barbecue? Yeah. And you're in a barbecue with all these guys. And the feeling that I get is, honestly, I, I, I'm not like, a, I don't carry myself as an egotistical dude. Right. I'm a confident guy because I believe in, in myself, my capabilities. Yeah, your skill set. Good self-esteem. Yeah. But you, you go to these. You're handsome. I mean, you know, we work handsome out. Handsome as a mother. And then you go into these uh, events. Or, you know, it could be a social gathering or a bar. You go to a bar and everybody's looking at you like you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Because 
Dude, I've been I've been in bars where people like, might just smash the table. He's getting fired up. Well, we're they're fucking like <laughs> I gotta do a play. They're looking play. at me and whispering. It's like really? Yeah. Like, oh, you're, you're a schizophrenic. You're right? a combat. You're a combat <laughs> veteran. So you have PTSD. It's like, dude, I've been in the most most conflicted situations in life and never had problem integrating into uncomfortable situations right i like i don't I, I remember like this one situation i was in where they were like the mike's having a ptsd attack no i'm not i'm just in a place where the music's fucking loud i have hearing loss to my left ear it's ringing my fucking head <laughs> and it's it's fucking midnight yeah like i don't know if you know this i need to get in bed my I'm, bedtime is 9 p.m well, i'm a healthy dude i always did that my whole life because i'm a big fan of sleep mm-hmm. the second part to that is you know i have hearing loss so I, it resonates in my ear but the fact that I'm judged like that in those yeah. environments, it's, it's, to me, it's, that's why I don't even like hanging out with civilians in those capacities. Because when people don't know me, yeah. they judge me, right. which, which is standardized, right? It's, it's, it's typical. But I don't go into a social situation and then make a gross stereotype and then treat people differently. Right. Dude, every time I've gone into civilian society, it's like... Oh, you're an SF guy, so you ain't going to kill me, are you? Like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's funny, but I, I could kill you because I, <laughs> I want to kill you now because of what you said. Yeah. But it's just like men compensate around us. I, I've, I've been in situations with you where we're around dudes and they're, they're acting all I'm weird. compensating? <laughs> yeah, you're compensating for me. You're in, it's inequality, man. So I, I don't know. I just maybe I'm maybe I'm hyping that up because I've had a couple of beers in me, but yeah. I just think that uh, we're treated differently and it, it sucks that's why i live in this house all by yourself by myself with, with my dog. cats and dogs <laughs> <laughs> good points right so depressing it's all... but good points no 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 no. it's not i don't think it's depressing i think it's good inf- whatever man <laughs> good information uh based off of you know our life experiences so mike gets fucked with all the time he cries i have to comfort him it's not a big deal Let's move on. I got pearl. At least I have pearl. Yeah, you got pearl. And, and a big thing of peanut butter. <laughs> uh, on that note. Yeah. Um, I'm going to wrap it there. Just kidding. You know, I, I, I've i been asked recently, like, uh, in fact, it was a DM and I want to answer this. Like, what's the preferred optic that I use? Because some dude was building a hunting rifle. And the, to be honest, like, I'm, I'm always honest about this. Schmidt and Bender is the best class that I use. There's no doubt. But... Schmidt Bender scope costs as much as a vehicle. Like you can buy a car or a mortgage for a couple months in most in most states. That's honestly why I choose I choose Vortex. Because does that sound weird? It's not like a commercial. That's why I choose Vortex. Um, but I, you know, I want to answer that dude's question. Vortex. I have a 21 power on my 308 and my uh, 300 Win Mag. Yeah, and we just got uh, we just got some new scopes from Vortex. You got a twenty seven power four. Damn, and a, son, four and a half to twenty seven power. And I got a three and a half to eighteen for my sixteen inch three hundred eight surgeon. So we do like that glass, right? And there's actually been a couple companies uh, since we probably like the last five years we were in the mill, and uh, you know they were known as not really good scopes, and then all of a sudden Bushnell Knife Wars. Yeah, they well they stepped up their game, right? Ruggedized became players in the military industry, and now they're making. Uh, legit stuff, so that's cool. Yeah, it's all it's all good stuff, especially when you look at Vortex. Like at the price point, that's honestly why I push it because it's got the quality, but it's still reasonably priced. Yeah, I mean, dude, a Schmidt and Bender, like I think a twenty-seven powers, thirty-seven hundred bucks. Yeah, it's uh, pretty expensive. Yeah, it's insane. 
sorry if I went on a rant. I apologize in <laughs> advance. Um, I've had two IPAs. I'm at 8,000 feet again because we've been in Cali the whole time. You're such a cherry. I am a cherry. Yep. You're a lightweight. Speaking of cherries, if you guys are interested in our assessment course, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we have an assessment course in Burnett, Texas, October 13th, 14th, and 15th. You show up at like uh, 1800 or 6 o'clock p.m. on yeah, the 13th. Friday, on Friday the yeah, 13th. It goes Saturday and ends about half day Sunday. Yeah. But a course designed to teach you, you know, what it takes to be in the military, special operations. And I've had dentists, I have doctors, I've had just people show up. Which because, is cool because yeah. it ties back into the whole tribe thing with, and it's like you were talking about, you know, and then we were kind of uh, comparing and contrasting what type of situations you have to be in to grow and, yeah. and, and things that take you and, and put you, uh, a great example is our assessment course, we put you in an environment where you're going to grow, right? So it's not only designed for people that are aspiring to be in special operations or in the military in general. Um, this course is designed for everybody, you know, and it's, um, and then Mike and I literally give you everything we got, you know, whether it's experience based from combat to um, how to take a physical fitness test in the military, negotiate an obstacle course, ruck marching. I mean, literally everything we go over that. So, yeah. And you could be at any uh, physical fitness level. It's not, it's not meant to assess you. It's meant to uh, give you the best the education you need, but also your likelihood of being successful in social operations. Yeah. And it, and you know, again, tying it back to the whole tribe thing and experiencing something that's difficult is, uh, builds layers of resiliency. It gives you a different perspective based off of human suffering, which again, you go back to the book again, if you haven't read it, it's a must read. Um, as a matter of fact, I got my mom to read it and we went to Barnes and Noble while we were visiting on this last trip. And, you know, I was like, hey, you got to read this because it's that impactful. Your mom's a good woman. She is a good woman. Yeah. You said that really weird. Like you. All right. Next thing. I like your mom a lot. <laughs> um, mom, if you're listening, uh, don't listen to that part. Yeah. Don't delete that from your mind. <laughs> um, yeah. Special thanks to uh, some of our sponsors, U.S. Night Vision. Absolutely. Yeah. U.S. Night Vision is a, is a solid partner of ours. And... Um, keep an eye out on our social media and uh, we want to be teaching we want to be teaching we want to be them night gunfighter courses no um, so we want we will be teaching night gunfighter courses supported by US night vision which is going to be pretty cool because if you don't have night vision and you don't have a laser you're gonna be able to come to one of our courses and we're gonna issue that to you and then have fun so. yeah Hopefully you don't drop the night vision. It costs <laughs> us thousands of Field dollars. Fieldcraft survival. Um, but yeah, you you know, U.S. Night. Our next episode is actually going to be on night vision. And the coolest thing about uh, uh, U.S. night vision period is it's in the United States. Yeah. So that's that's kind of cool. And yeah. Yeah. All right. We appreciate you guys, and uh, you guys can check us out on our social media, where we're constantly on. You're like, what's my social media we're, again? Religiously. <laughs> uh, I'm at yeah, all the time because that's our reality just kidding i don't even know what that means <laughs> <laughs> i might have to edit that <laughs> don't ever do it again um at sauce survivor at philcraft survival kurt is kurt underscore team philcraft the yeah. company is uh at philcraft survival and then our website www.philcraftsurvival.com if you're listening you know we have a podcast tell your friends Subscribe. Yeah. We leave hope positive to feedback. Influence your mind in a positive way. We're gonna blow your mind, man. We're gonna <laughs> blow you. What? Whoa. <laughs> All right, guys, we gotta go. I'm getting blown. Later. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Till next time. Stay alert. Stay alive.